0: good morning and welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRNAM for Thursday, December 15th, 2022. And our top story today, telling Americans to eat better isn't working. We need to make healthier food. Joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Mark Bittman is with Columbia's Mailman Public School of Health. Well, Mark, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program
1: this morning. Pleasure to be here, Jeff. Nice to see you, too.
0: Yeah. And really picking up on a great piece you wrote for The Guardian um, about telling Americans to eat better doesn't really work. So let's step back a little bit. How are we doing? And I think I know the answer, but I just want to level set for the audience. How do how are we doing in terms of selecting the right food to eat
1: um, every day as Americans? I mean, we're doing terribly. Uh, It's not our fault, but um, we have every number that measures public health related to diet has gone in the wrong direction for 30 years or more. And um, we really haven't cracked the code. I mean, the piece you're referring to is, is about what we ought to be doing, but we really haven't cracked the code on how to help Americans eat better. And, and my contention, large part of my contention and what we'll be talking about is that this is really a problem, not of demand, but of supply.
0: And, and just to kind of follow up on that, I mean, you look at the types of diseases that Americans are inflicted with, diabetes, obesity, uh, cancer, um, and a lot of this is beyond COVID. But there are a lot of major underlying maladies that are affecting many Americans. And I think Maybe, and I'm not a doctor, obviously. I'm just a television host. Um, but but I, I guess someone can look point back at the food supply, what people are eating, as a, a general
1: uh, starting point for for disease. There are something like five or six hundred thousand diet-related, five or six hundred thousand deaths caused by diet-related diseases in the United States every year. That obviously um outflanks covid in terms of numbers of death and 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 we assume that covid deaths are going to be in the tens of thousands in 2023 not in the hundreds of thousands but even if that's wrong it's really unlikely that covid or anything else is going to kill 500,000 Americans a year for the next 20 years which is a sort of likely guess of what will happen with diet related diseases if we don't do something about that. So diet related diseases, that is chronic diseases. You mentioned a few you left out not being critical. You just didn't yes. mention heart disease, which is a, yep. a big deal. So diabetes, most people don't die directly from diabetes, but diabetes is a direct result of uh of a sugar laden diet and a, um, of a typical American diet, and diabetes often leads to heart disease, and heart disease does kill people. So diabetes, yeah. heart disease, various cancers are all diet related, and they and together they form the leading cause of death in the United States, as you said, out outranking COVID. Yeah, and I didn't mean the minim- As you said, I didn't mean to minimize no.
0: uh, heart disease.
1: It was just we get you know, t-
0: taking <laughs> t- taking off my. Ticking, ticking them off as I thought about them. But you know, for we go into the grocery store, and there are food and drug, I guess, approved labels that say how many calories are is a particular product. What's the sugar? What's the cholesterol? And also, when I go into great cities like New York, and I used to live in New York for twelve years, you go into a, look at a menu, and it tells you how many calories and what's heart healthy and what's not. It just seems like. We just do not make the best decisions as individuals. It's always about what tastes good here and what it triggers up here in the brain.
1: Right, but it's not so much the decisions we make as the, as the choices we're presented with. So you can mm-hmm. only choose from what's available to you. Um, food manufacturers have spent the last half century, really the last century, but especially in the last Twenty to fifty years engineering food that's designed to hit those hot spots that turn you on, and they do this they've done this scientifically, excuse me <clears throat> they've done this scientifically using mRIs and using sophisticated techniques that most of us um don't know about or c- couldn't understand if we did um, so when you look at that pizza when you look at those doritos, when you look at that cheeseburger, when you look at that ice cream, whatever, you are habituated to be turned on by that food. When you look at that apple, when you look at that banana, when you look at that head of broccoli, you feel like I'm obligated to eat that, or I know I should eat that. But there's a further problem, and the problem really stems from what our agricultural supply provides us with. And and um, on. The, The big picture is that that USDA and other government agencies have spent more than 100 years encouraging farmers to grow, to use modern equipment, to use hybridized seeds, to use pesticides and chemicals in order to produce maximum yields and to and to um, establish the biggest farms, the most productive farms possible. So measures of success. So measures of success are yield and secondarily profit. I mean, for most people, primarily profit, but that comes from yield. And the best technology and the best research has gone into producing corn and soybeans and secondarily some other crops, wheat of course, and and some others, but corn and soybeans are the big two. And anyone who's been to the Midwest knows that you can drive for miles and miles, sometimes hours and hours, and see nothing but corn and soybeans now, then the question is, we know we don't eat a lot of corn and soybeans, I and mean, there's something like fifteen hundred pounds of corn produced per capita per year. Most of us might eat three pounds of corn directly per year. Where's the rest of that going, and the answer is. Some of it goes to ethanol, which is a problem, not a diet related problem, but it is a farming problem and an energy problem. But we don't you and I don't need to go there. Some of it goes for cheap animal food um, to produce industrially raised animals. And we can get into that. And some of it, the rest of it goes into producing junk food and it's junk food. Now, more increasingly called ultra-processed food by by nutritionists and scientists. It's ultra-processed food that is really the cause of these diet-related diseases. And this is the key statistic and the only statistic I really want to give you. 60% of the calories in the American diet now come from ultra-processed foods, which means our choices, the majority of our choices in the supermarket are bad for us. So regardless of what we're triggering, triggered by, what we crave, what we think we like and we think we don't, we are presented with 60% of the options we're presented with are not good for us. So if, if we all chose to eat brilliantly starting tomorrow, fruits and vegetables and whole grains and legumes and the usual, blah, 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 if we all chose to eat that stuff tomorrow, there isn't even enough of it to feed us because the agricultural choices dictate that what we're presented with is cheap animal, are cheap animal products and ultra processed foods.
0: Well, Mark, uh, thank you for that. And I wanna take a very quick break because when we come back, I wanna talk about solving this issue. How do, we, how do we get from point A to point Z and a better American diet and also a better international diet as well? You're gonna to wanna to stay tuned right here on BRN AM.
2: and my score wasn't where I needed it to be. I called and spoke with one of the representatives, and we just had a good conversation, and I I liked what he was saying.
0: Just one call for his free credit evaluation was all it took to start back on the track to repairing his credit.
2: I'm seeing the deletions and I'm getting the report, so I know something's being done. It does make a difference to me.
0: All it takes is one call to
2: get started. Credit Repair has given me a second chance to have a better credit score.
0: Don't let a low credit score hold you back another day. Do what Terrence did and make the call for your free credit evaluation.
1: Call 800-819-4152. That's 800-819-4152. Again, 800-819-4152.
0: Welcome back. We're talking this morning to Mark Bittman of Columbia's Mailman School of Public Health. Well, Mark, thanks so much for sticking around for segment number two. Really appreciate you uh, joining us this morning and appreciate the conversation.
1: Well, it's important stuff. I'm happy to talk about it.
0: Absolutely. And as you, I got I to be honest, and as you were ticking off Doritos, pizza, I was starting to salivate. Your mouth started days. watering. I, my mouth started watering. So I was, you know, I, I'm not... Uh, I'm susceptible to that marketing as well. We all okay.
1: are. Okay. We all are. We all are. And Everybody they, they... eats junk food. There is not, anyone who tells you they're not eating junk food is either a liar or really an exceptional person. That's right. That's right. They're like in the
0: top half a percent of the population out there. Okay. So let's, you, you kind of laid out the problem and it's a problem that has evolved over the last hundred years or so and we've gotten to this point. Let's talk about the solution or your solutions. How do we get a healthier food uh, supply and vis-a-vis have healthier individuals and lower the cost of health care for all of us. And by the way, it's even higher in retirement.
1: Um, it's interesting. If you look at a graph of healthcare costs versus food costs, the more countries, the more individuals in countries spend on food, the lower the health costs and the less People spend on food, the higher the health costs. The United States spends about people in the United States, people in the United States spend about the lowest percentage of their income of any country on food, around 7%. And of course, we have the highest healthcare costs in the world. Um, I'm not saying that everybody needs to go out and spend more money on food. We have tried... Um, this might take a minute we have We have tried to educate people about how to eat better, and as I said at the outset, that hasn't worked um, it's not a question of how do you teach the poor mother with two children who's working two jobs that she shouldn't be giving her children fast food that Everybody knows what food is good for you. You can ask anybody what they ought to be eating. And most people know the correct answer to that. And it's pretty simple. It's fruits and vegetables and legumes and whole grains and a minimum of junk and a minimum of of, um, animal products. Why don't people do that? Well, we said, I said, that's because the supply is producing junk food and animal products. So we have to change the supply. And how do we do that? Well, the big picture, the big picture is that ultimately we need to not subsidize corn and soybeans, but subsidize what the USDA not ironically calls specialty products. And that means real food, fruits and vegetables, nuts, seeds, legumes, whole grains, and so on. Um, How do you make that happen? Well, sadly, or I don't know if sadly is the right word, how do you make that happen? The long-term answer is you find representatives in Congress and the Senate who are willing to tackle the difficult issues about food. Right now, the, the big food lobby, which is allied with, um, so you have producers of consumer packaged goods, you have producers of meat and dairy, you have producers of petrochemicals, which are used in farming, producers of machinery that's used in farming, producers of hybridized seeds, Together, that lobby is the biggest lobby in the country. More people are uh, agitating to continue the status quo in agriculture than even our lobbying for the Department of Defense. More money is spent on that. What we need are incentives for farmers to grow real food. What we need are incentives for farmers to steward the land, to do agriculture that reduces uh, greenhouse gases, which agriculture is the second leading source of of greenhouse gases and therefore of climate change. Um, We need people who are willing to farm and eager to farm in ways that benefit all of us. And the, the real key, I mean, if there is a key, and this is not a simple matter, but the real key is for us to ask the question, what is food for? If the answer to that question is to nourish our people, to minimize impact on the planet, um, to create health and well-being, then we have an interesting starting place for how do we produce food and what kind of food do we produce? We act as though the answer to the question, what is food for, is to make profits for big corporations. So those right. are two very divergent paths. But if we started to think about Food is our source of nourishment. It's one of the most three most important. I mean, we have water, we have air, we have food. Three most important substances on Earth. Our source of nourishment. nourishment. If the purpose of food is to nourish us, we would take a different tack than if we say the purpose of food is to make money for large corporations, but we act as if the second were true. Well,
0: in terms of... You you mentioned the the lobbying groups. In terms of um, changing that, isn't it up to all of us to say, hey, you know, congressperson, senator, state representative, I don't want this. And, And number one, but also number two, if I'm interested in healthy choices, where do I shop? Because the word organic, that is a word that is thrown around. I feel like that is actually a brand. Like if the word organic... Doesn't necessarily have to be organic. It's a brand. Everything is organic. Organic Doritos. Organic, right. you know, organic tomatoes. Right. So, how can I shop and send that message uh, so that I'm picking the right foods for my family, knowing that 60% is ultra processed? My word, not yours. Crap. Um, that's going to jack up your insulin level and make you more susceptible to some of these
1: sugar and heart-related diseases. So you have two questions here that we'll take them one at a time. The first is about elected officials. And I think as a retirement network, you must deal with this constantly because you have many issues that affect older Americans. I'm one of them. And and many of them can be resolved better by Congress. And I think as you would ask about health care, as you would ask about retirement benefits, as you would ask about anything, We should be asking elected officials, and that goes from your local municipal officials to state reps to federal representatives, what is your position on food? And we should be advocating for better agriculture. That means not routine use, eliminating the routine use of antibiotics and in feeding animals. It means reducing the use of chemicals in agriculture. It is reducing subsidies to soy and corn farmers and so on. Most representatives have not thought about this stuff or they're beginning to think about this stuff. It's important for us to push them on it. The second, you're going back to individual choice. And I just want to make it clear that not everybody has the ability that you, me, and probably many of your viewers and listeners have, which is to make those choices, to say, I can afford to buy whatever I want to buy. What should I buy? But the answer to that question is pretty simple. You should buy food that's in close to its natural state as possible. That looks like food that doesn't have 57 ingredients that you could make yourself, that your grandmother or your great-grandmother would recognize as food. Those are the things that that we should be buying and they are kind of everywhere and and those of us with time and money can buy them. So that Answer is pretty simple. It's just that it can't be acted upon by everybody in the country. Yeah. And yeah, you bring up a really good point. And there
0: are people who socioeconomically can't afford to do that for whatever reason.
1: Right. Well, um, many of them are on fixed incomes, as, yep. as are most retired people. So
0: absolutely. Absolutely. And, and by the way, I can only imagine what inflation, even though it came down a little bit today, I think 7.1 percent, it's pretty high. Uh, that makes healthier choices even more expensive. And by the way, it makes the ingredients more expensive in a lot of these foods. I've noticed on the menu, food's going up 10, 20%. So mm. that's that is, has a significant impact. I guess my last question for you, Mark, uh, just to put it in context, you know, we're, we're always told eat a healthy diet and exercise. And again, I'm 50 years old, I try to exercise every day, but can you out-train a bad diet? So if you get on the elliptical, for example, for 30 minutes, and you do all the things that the American Heart Association says to do to get up to your target heart rate, can that outperform eating a 60% ultra processed food diet?
1: I mean, now you're talking about things kind of on an individual level, but I would generally, in general, the answer to that is no, you can outrun a bad diet. But, but for some people, you probably can. But I there's no reason if you're going to be. you Might want to consider being diligent enough to eat well as well. Yeah. Can well, I just plug? Would you mind if I plugged my website, podcast, whatever? No, I was going to ask you, how, how can we how can
0: we um, follow this research uh, that you're doing? Because this is an important issue. We all eat. Uh, we're also, some of it eat too much in my case, but we all eat, we all need to eat. We all need nourishment. So how do we follow you and the work that you and the team are doing at
1: Columbia? Um, I'm most easily found at markbitman.com. I have a podcast called Food with Mark Bittman, which you can listen to anywhere. Um, and we have a several times a week newsletter called Bittman Project, but The hub of my activity is MarkBittman.com. Yeah. Well,
0: Mark, great work. I really appreciate you. Great piece. Great issue to bring to light. And look, if we could just solve some of these problems related to our food supply, I think our illnesses and disease will go down and we would save a lot of money. Um, We have to, yeah. Mark, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program. And we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon, my friend. Anytime, Jeff. Thank you. And that wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle wellness, finance tech, so much more, and all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check our latest content? Well, visit our website and, of course, all of our streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of BRNAM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget... Roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity
2: You don't have to live in fear anymore. The call and the consultation are free.